Okay, the recorder's on, let's go. Hi, this is Michael Waits and welcome to AIP's News Roundup with Teresa Blissing. Hi, Teresa, the founder of AIP and Rahul Matur. Hi, Rahul, we've already been talking for like 20 minutes. An AIP ambassador coming to you from my self-quarantining and socially distanced living room again. This episode of the Asia, Pod Asia in Short Tech podcast is brought to you by Uncharted. In this rapidly changing environment, the ability to operate your business online is mission critical. Powered by Uncharted's core insurance and distribution platform, carriers and brokers now have the ability to launch new distribution channels in a matter of weeks and any product through any channel in any market in just days. If your core insurance technology isn't providing your business with an enduring competitive advantage, visit www.uncharted.global or email info at uncharted.global to speak to the team directly today. How are you guys doing? How's everybody doing today? Very good, Michael. Despite the bit challenging um, conditions of working from home and working remote, um, everything good so far. How are you, Raul? I am very well, guys. I am stood outside in my balcony in 32 degrees so that the 4G can actually pick my voice and transmit it to Michael's recorder. But yeah, um, I'm doing well and hope everyone who's listening is also doing well. Yeah, same here. Yeah, these are the challenging um, uh, conditions I was, I was speaking about. And uh, I'm getting really tired of this whole COVID situation. What do you guys think? Should we um, talk about some other news today and uh, ignore for at least 30 minutes um, the global pandemic? Yeah, let's do that. And the, one, the last thing I want to say about it is I have now been social distancing for three and a half weeks. So I'm getting a little tired of it as well. And there is a lot of news to cover, as always. I agree with you, Teresa. Let's just get right to it. Where do we want to start today? Let's start with um, Avo Insurance and Two Sigma announced that they're making an insurtech investment and a partnership in Hong Kong, which is, that sounds like really great news. What do we think about this? Well, um, first for, for a little bit of background, right? So Avo Insurance is um, the birth child of uh, Asian, uh, Asia Insurance, um, as well as Hill House Capital, right? Yep, so this yep. is one of these like new insurers um, that looks and feels like, a, like an insurtech, but it's actually um, started by an incumbent um, together with a, a Hill Capital investment arm. So um, super interesting one. Um, and something that we have seen in Hong Kong uh, a few times, right? So there's also Bowtie um, as well as Blue. And right. um, yeah, so Avo now has an investment um, by the um, Two Sigma, um, which is coming out of New York, I believe. So it's an uh, American um, company. And now they have invested into Avo Insurance in Hong Kong. Um, to bring their their technology, which is around um, big data AI, um, to help um, boost the capabilities of Avo, I believe. It's really interesting that a U.S. company would invest in a company in Hong Kong. Again, we don't want to talk about what's going on, but particularly in this environment, I think it's a I think it's a great sign for people trying to kind of get back to normal. But it's great having sort of a cross market investment, yeah. Yes, the interesting point to make there is Two Sigma kind of operates like a bit of a quant fund. 
but just like most of you know these big uh, institutional asset managers or pe firms launching their own venture houses like a uh, you know blackstone or a uh, bain capital ventures what you're now seeing is these quant funds are also taking i guess a minority stake in what would perhaps be a i guess incumbent insurer of the future so this this whole trend of you know private equity backed um, insurance challenges at least in asia isn't something new but i guess the interesting kind of bottom line here is you have one of the best quant uh, strategy firms investing into what would perhaps be for lack of words a data driven insurer and i think this is one which we should continue to track as they progress because i guess abo insurance is not doing very typical insurance products they're more geared towards the uh, digital kind of generation with you know their wallet insurance and stuff so super interesting i wish they just told us how much and when this deal was actually closed right yeah i mean look that's always one of my pet peeves is i just want to know what the investment is what the size of it is give us a sense for where you're valuing this company and how much you actually think it's worth not just the monetary valuation but what you actually think it's worth thinks it's worth to you Teresa, you, you were going to say something you're going to add something as well the topic i wanted to add is that two sigma is coming out of of the us but they do have offices in they asia yep. um in hong kong shanghai and tokyo so they are not new to the region no no not at all yeah i mean it's a good point to make but i just think it's interesting that and and again rahul made this point this this whole concept of alternative asset classes right and these quant funds and the hedge funds sort of moved into that but as the margins in those fund areas continue to shrink as it becomes more and more difficult to make good returns they're moving again further down that line into different alternative asset classes and a lot of these funds are going to do it because they feel like their ability to analyze data and make good investment decisions are still valid in a different sector or in a different vertical so it makes sense to me to some extent yeah if i could uh, quickly kind of jump in there michael you know this is something we'll continue continue to see Sure. And I guess the broader theme there is you're seeing this um, institutionalization of uh, growth capital investing. Yeah. Whereby you know back in the day you would have like a Sequoia, a Lightspeed, or a Benchmark come and toss like fifty to sixty million dollars at you at a Series B. But now what you're kind of seeing is because these companies, I guess, are going full stack in financial services, they have the infrastructure or the piping in place to share. i guess a real time overview of their financial and solvency position and this suddenly becomes very interesting for you know the likes of a two sigma which is anyways used to analyzing and passing data in real time because that then gives them you know almost this real time data feed to decide what would be the optimal time for this company to go public right. or to engage in a leveraged buyout or to bring on I guess another group of institutional investors. Uh, I, I thought that was just one other point that we thought would be relevant as well. No, it's a super point, and actually, our venture capital friends will not be happy to know that you know companies like Two Sigma, other sort of alternative asset investors, will be much quicker in their ability to make assessments of these companies, like you said, because they have much better understanding of how to analyze things in real time, and their normal decision making process is. in seconds not in months and if you bring that attitude and that mentality along with your technology and your years of very competitive investment experience into this space 
it should be really interesting to see what the impact is on some of the venture capitalists who are very slow moving and base a lot of their decisions on their relationships, existing relationships with founders and other investors. So yeah, a really interesting um, development to watch. So let's move on to our next topic. Bolt Tech, right? Which is part of, what is that, Teresa? FWD, yeah? So Bolt Tech has just confirmed the hiring or the appointment of a new CEO. And this is who, Rob Shemek, yeah? What is the significance of this one, Teresa? Well, this is news I have been waiting for um, for months now. Um, and I'm really surprised they are doing it in the way they are doing it, right? So the news is that Pacific Century Group appoints a group CEO for um, Bolt Tech. And um, I think the majority has never heard of Boltec before. So it's interesting no. that they make, um, you know, the news about um, the new CEO and not actually what the, what the, what company, the company is. is. About. So, um, so Pacific Century Group is uh, the group that owns FWD and now also Boltec. And um, if you dig a little bit deeper into Boltec, if you are going um, to their, to their website, you will find that, they have launched in 2020, according to the website, and they are a group um, of a number of market-leading players, including eDirect, which is trading as Frank. You uh, might uh, remember our friend Prem um, from frank.co.th, um, so that is part of Boltec. Um, then Bolt Solutions, Inc., um, which is a, a digital um, broker and insurance technology platform okay. coming out of the U.S. And I think they also have ties to um, uh, to Israel. And um, if you look at the management team, um, you will also see that some from this like Bolt in uh, Solutions Inc. Um, is part of this new um, Bolt Tech uh, group company. Um, and then we also have Mtrust Mobile Solutions, um, which is... Um, a leading uh, device protection provider in Southeast Asia. So, and that is also something that um, Boltec um, is aiming to do. So, providing device um, coverage. So, for 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 smartphones, but they are also um, producing the tech. So, if you are going. Um, on their website to the to the partners, um, you see that they are talking about an ecosystem, and um, the ecosystem has on the one end um, the end consumer, um, then different distribution channels consisting of insurance agents, telcos, banks, e-commerce, um, and then you have the Boltec platform, um, which plugs in um, and it says now on the website FWD um, Boltec device protection, and then. Um, there are like four slots that just say insurance carrier, insurance carrier, insurance carrier, insurance <laughs> right. carrier. But they, ha but they have logos there. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, those are made up logos. So um, that suggests that they are um, planning to build something, you know, fairly similar to, to what we have seen from like Chong'an, for example, right? That they, uh, Chong'an Insurance have uh, Chong'an Tech, which is using right. the tech and also offering it um, to to other insurance companies. And um, if we are thinking about Frank, for example, so frank.co.th, the Thai uh, insurance marketplace, um, we had Prem, the founder, on the, on the show as well. So it seems that um, FWD has uh, fully acquired Frank. Also, like news that, you know, you 
uh, we haven't heard of um, really in the um, official uh, media reports. And um, but they are actually selling um, all kinds of non-life insurance from from different insurance carriers in in Thailand, right? So not only FWD. Um, while FWD didn't even have a non-life license in Thailand until recently. Um, but they were selling from, from all the other insurance players, but are now owned by FWD and apparently part of these Voltec um, platforms. So I think there are some really, really interesting um, times coming, um, what we will see from FWD and, uh, and Voltec here. Um, so very, very fascinating. And again, like, you know, the big news is not really um, the, the new um, CEO, um, but, you know, just that this company exists and is now a new player in this whole, um, basically, tech solution uh, game. So it's, it's interesting that they name it Bolt because, and the pun is completely intended, but it almost feels to me like they're bolting together a few different things that they've either acquired or built themselves and then trying to go out and, I think you said this, and compete with Zhang'an, right? I mean, they're trying to be the platform and a lot of people are starting to do this, right? Try to build this full stack platform that goes out and then provides the technology to incumbent insurance companies. Yeah. Yeah. And also that they are talking about ecosystem, which just, you know, right, reminds right, right. a lot on the, on the strategy that uh, Ping'an is following, right? Yep. So maybe Raul, um, you can, you can share your view on, on this move from um, FWD, Boltec, slash uh, Pacific Century Group? See, I mean, I, 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 found, I found this fairly amusing, right? Because uh, <laughs> what Michael said, there the idea of them bolting together several different uh, units to create like this ecosystem is, a, is actually the, the exact stark opposite of Pingan, right? So Pingan incubated the units and then spun them out. Right. These guys are probably going in and, you know, acquiring a few uh, units, maybe pushing 100, 200 million in premium a year and creating like this uh, self-reinforcing effect. And I think your, your points are very right. It almost seems like this is a special purpose acquisition company, which they've now kind of disclosed to the public. So they've probably been, you know, doing like majority stake purchases in private entities. Because when you kind of, like Teresa alluded to, when you look at their website, they kind of disclose that their 2019 cross-written premium for policies in force was about 2.9 billion US dollars via their uh, brokerage arm. And then they've gone and suggested they have 5.5 million customers for their device protection plans. And uh, to be quite honest with you, these uh, don't sound like numbers that you can pull out in three or four months. So yeah. it's... Uh, is, it's very interesting, but I think this is probably uh, something that's been going on behind the scenes for at least a year, year and a half. Yeah, and probably. I don't know whether this could be the next uh, Pingan, but it could definitely be the next uh, big thing. Uh, no, 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 I 100% agree with uh, with Raul, right? So um, this was going on behind the scenes for, for quite a while. And um, until now, they are still... Um, having the strategy of not really pushing bold tech, um, you know, as, as a company and instead decided to um, just push the news about the CEO. It's a bit like a hide and seek, you know, come and find out what we are up to. Yeah. Why do you think they did that? It is interesting, right? They said the brand was just announced in 2020, but we've got a long track record 
of doing all these other things. And again, they did bolt this thing together for lack of a better term. Why do you think they're doing this now? Or do you think this announcement was planned and then all this other stuff happened in the world and they just said, let's go anyway? I always experienced FWD as, um, you know, a player that is, you know, not a lot of, of talk, but a lot of action. Right. Okay. Um, so they are, they are hardly um, in the, in the news when, you know, if you, if you look at AIA, right. So they are every week in the news with, um, you know, a new COVID um, coverage, a new, um, you know, partnership. So they are, in the news a lot. Um, FWD has also lots of partnerships, but their strategies seem to be, um, you know, not to market it too aggressively um, in like the insurance news at least. Right, just to get stuff done and let the market speak for itself. Yeah. So um, that Fair seems enough. to be their, their strategy. So yeah, very, very yeah. The, the strange kind of thing about FWD is whilst they, you know, like you li- rightly point out, Teresa, the quiet people, their uh, chairman, Richard Lee, tends to be um, notorious in the, uh, in the capital markets for being a very aggressive and, you know, strong-minded individual. So it could just be that, you know, it, it's been in the works for a year and a half now. And it's like, regardless of the market cycle, you know, stuff like device protection insurance is probably not going to be hit as bad. And, uh, you know, three or four months of a delay with the kind of balance sheet that they have probably isn't going to change the, the picture in any way. And if you kind of think about it from a press and PR standpoint, you're kind of coming into the market at a point where announcements have kind of slowed down because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So chances are you'll see a lot more interest from, I guess, the industry and general public. So I think market timing, if you have you know, enough capital in your balance sheet and you're pretty well cushioned against a downside, if you have a big announcement to make, this is probably the best time because, uh, let's be honest, right, people are struggling to find interesting news items. Yeah, fair enough, That's right? True. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it's a quiet time, but not a, such a quiet time. Let's talk about some investments as well. So it seems like IAG has invested in another AI company, analytics and drones. This is really interesting for property assessments. So how does this work? Well, drone assessments are used in, in, in property insurance for quite a while. It's mostly coming out of the US. Um, and the, the idea behind it is um, that you can assess roofs, for example, either for underwriting or um, for the claims management process, right? Okay. So yep. um, you can you can take um, image segmentation um, in there as well, where you can analyze the pictures from the drone to understand the the quality of a roof, for example, right? Yep, yep. And um, and then also assess the damages. Um, this is also used in like cases of you know flooding or or bushfires. Um, and um, considering this is coming out of Australia, where you have like a lot of land a lot of agricultural land um, and they are um, experienced on a regular basis uh, floods and bushfires. I mean, the uh, 2019 bushfires were a whole new level, but on a regular basis, Australia is experiencing um, these natural catastrophes and uh, drone technology here makes perfect sense in order to assess um, damages um, and then, um, you know, use it for the claims management process. So is this a normal thing for IAG to do? Like, is there a significance to this investment besides what 
what is the name of the company Arturo is doing on the drones on the drone side? I guess the the main kind of point it, what Risa kind of made there is very true that a drone drone inspection at either for property cat or just nat cat tend to be super useful in in the case of like a real cat event taking place where if you go out something like Australia where you have low population density. Uh, all of a sudden you're in a position where if someone's roof caves in getting a loss adjuster or a claims inspector of the site is far more expensive than getting someone maybe 50 to 100 kilometers out flying sure. a drone onto the site and um, i think these kind of technologies the return on investment the profile is very dependent on the geography you're in so I think just from a geography product market fit standpoint, this makes a lot of sense. Now, exactly. And it's not only about population density, but also, um, you know, the, the big uh, properties you have in Australia, right? So um, where you have like farms that are spanning over, you know, several acres, um, there definitely makes sense to use drones um, to see the impact um, of um, NatCat on, um, like, you know, crops, for example, um, as well as livestock. And um, that is where you can you can use uh, drone technology. So, um, yeah, absolutely makes sense. Um, and um, the company Arturo is actually coming from the U.S. Yeah, it was a move that definitely makes sense for a market like Australia. Let's switch gears a little bit. And I feel like we're going to start to talk about this a lot more. I'm actually reinvigorating and restarting my own separate blockchain podcast. And I think that that's happening because for those of you that are familiar with the Gartner hype cycle, I feel like we've kind of reached the bottom of people's disinterest in these DLT technologies. And now SoftBank goes out, um, well, not SoftBank, but OneConnect, which SoftBank is an investor in. They're going to work on some blockchain platform development. And I'd like to understand what you two think the significance of this is. I have my own ideas, but let me know what you think. So I can probably jump in here straight away, right? So OneConnect has always kind of been dabbling in the blockchain space pretty much from when they were still a private company and got, I believe, the 750 million Series A led by SoftBank. They actually have, I believe, uh, built a trade finance uh, platform for the Hong Kong Kong Monetary Authority. HKMA. So they and and he, yeah and, and even in their um, I guess in their so, you know the fact that One Connect is going to be launching a digital bank in uh, in Hong Kong, I think one of their pitches to SMEs was the fact that they're very well versed in uh, trade finance by virtue of uh, their experience in you know building the blockchain platforms. They're probably the ideal kind of bank to bank with uh, for SMEs. That was just kind of the uh, the first observation I had, and then the second one really is you know one connect uh, at the end of the day was also I guess until recently a Pingan subsidiary, and Pingan has a very strong um, affinity towards uh, blockchain by uh, just just from an organizational standpoint. So this particular piece of news doesn't surprise me, especially because it's in the I guess supply chain and logistics uh, segment. Teresa, what do you think? We haven't really seen any breakthroughs um, from blockchain technology in, in insurance, right? Um, we, you had 
Natalia from from FWD on the show. Yep. And uh, talk to her about um, you know their developments in blockchain, and she also said so they are experimenting with it, but so far it's not that they have implemented any any solutions. And what I really like about this news is that it's um, you know like an ecosystem. It's the merchant um, port group. Um, they are doing this uh, between Guangdong, Hong Kong, and Macau region. So that's, I think, makes sense when it comes to blockchain that you connect like the different parties, the different stakeholders um, of an ecosystem. And that's where I see the value um, of blockchain coming in. It doesn't really make sense, in my opinion, if one insurance company um, you know, builds their own blockchain, it needs to be connected um, with like an ecosystem. Yeah, and is, is the next sort of bit of news we have, this BSOS, a Taiwan blockchain technology company raising money, it's not connected directly to this, but is this just part of the same theme? Yeah, apparently we are we are seeing a, a comeback of blockchain. It has been um, a bit quiet, and I guess you are right um, with the Gardner curve um, that we are in the in the valley now, and um, maybe now seeing more uh, mature uh, and market fit um, products coming out of this. Let's go to India. And let's end with this. Our Indian startup insurance, Samadhan, raises seed funding, more investment, which I love this. Right at the end of March, beginning of April, so right in our time frame, what is this all about? And what are venture, what is the venture catalysts? Yeah, so it's a really good question, right? So insurance, Samadhan, has been around for um, a fair bit, and they actually did a very short uh, fundraise in January. So this was you know, pre-COVID-19, and I saw a bit of the excitement around uh, that raise. Yes, Venture Catalyst is a bit of a, um, I guess, incubator of sorts. They're they're one of those, uh, you know, full-stack venture funds, and their kind of objective is to build, like, a support network around uh, industry veterans who maybe don't understand technology well enough, but who understand the industry problem well enough. And I think that's a very good case with Insurance Samadhan, where there are actually four co-founders who come from a mix of insurance business and insurance legal backgrounds. And they're very focused on the claims, uh, I, I guess, claims redressal and advisory kind of aspect. I guess the right way to kind of think about them is they're sort of a marketplace that connects um, insurance policy holders with uh, freelance insurance experts or insurance consultants who either help you with policy purchase or help you with uh, filing your claim and subsequent um, claims collection. So it's it's almost like we're coming to this world in India where we've gone from price aggregation to value aggregation. So it's like this um, insurance aggregator version 2.0 and we're moving away from the you know policy bazaar uh, cover fox uh, kind right, of right, models right. into these uh, I guess more high touch versus just uh, just a sales volume driven business. Yeah, in a way, it almost seems like there's part of the insurance distribution platforms that are moving in the same way some of the travel companies did, right? Where they first came out and said we're just going to do price comparisons across the board, and then they thought, well, shouldn't we do the bookings as well? And what else can in which other areas can we get involved in the travel business? That just sounds similar to me. Teresa, do you have anything to add? I'd like to hear what Teresa has to say. I'm going to close with one blockchain meme again, so I'll let Teresa say something. 
something I have to add so that we now manage to have an entire news roundup without talking about any COVID news. I'm happy to announce that next Monday we have a COVID special. Um, we're trying something completely new, actually. Um, so we are going live on um, Facebook and stream a panel with a few of our AIP uh, alumni to talk about how are they coping with the current situation and um, share some really hands-on experience. Um, that's the idea behind it, to really see how are they managing operations? How are they um, you know, ensuring that they are still smashing goals um, during the, the current um, global pandemic? Because you know, uh, it, is, it is a tough time for all companies out there, for like the insurance incumbents. Um, but, you know, the startups are hit really hard because, you know, for them, time is really money. And uh, at the moment, um, with the slowdown, they're really burning money and um, they have to ensure to be still smashing goals and being like highly um, effective in what they are doing um, with their teams. So quite curious to see um, what they are sharing, what is like the secret ingredients to make um, operations work in these um, you know, uh, challenging times. Um, so that is what we are doing on Monday uh, live. Cannot wait to do it. Zoom live to Facebook, very much looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I'm curious about the, the blockchain uh, anecdote. Yeah, so I, I, guess, I guess the only kind of thing there, revival of blockchain and insurance, I definitely think uh, we're going to reach the slope of enlightenment in blockchain fairly fast, <laughs> just given the volume of uh, academic literature coming out. But in India, we actually had uh, the Swiss InsurTech uh, Ledger Tech, which actually builds on R3's Corda platform, announced that it's actually completed a proof of concept with uh, Bharati AXA on motor insurance claim settlement. And... Uh, they're apparently also moving into production and looking to uh, deploy with a few other insurers for, uh, I guess, renewals and, uh, I guess, transmission of a no claims bonus from one carrier to the other. So this is, again, a very interesting example of a data transfer between insurers where blockchain is coming into use and it's India. And I just thought since blockchain was one of the themes we're discussing, it was an interesting item to add rather last minute. That is really interesting. It's um, it's Errol, right? Um, the the founding team is coming out of IBM, I believe. Um, uh, they were actually last year also in Thailand presenting at the Motor Insurance uh, Conference and talking about their um, uh, blockchain solution. Um, so yeah, good for those guys. Amazing. Awesome, guys. I'm going to say thank you very much for doing this. This was an awesome discussion. As usual, cannot wait to do this again in a couple of weeks. Perfect. Thank you, guys.